Radio Primavera Sound, powered by SEAT. Welcome to the Weekly Review, the radio show where two members of the adult club try to keep up with what's happening in the world of popular culture. We are able to do this with the help of the youngest person we know outside of our families. Reporting for duty, we are Ben Cardew III. Hi. Hi. Marvai Verdu. Hello. And Johan Wald speaking. Behind the controls, Rob Roman. Today, we nitpick a few of the apples and plums from the basket. Jersey Club Queen Unique's EP Heartbeats is our album of the week. Although we can't help but speak a little bit about Bad Bad Not Good's latest album, Talk Memory, some of us feel a little bit let down with Dave Chappelle's last stand-up special for Netflix, but some of us were also pleasantly surprised at Kim Kardashian's very amusing Saturday Night Live debut as host. Musical guest on that episode was Halsey, which beckons that we talk a little bit about her fifth album, produced by Nine Inch Nails. Jamila Jamil also deserves recognition for her work on the new James Blake album, and there's been a bit of a kerfuffle with all of this online over the credits on the Warbler's new album. Hmm, let's begin. African Rebel, you don't feel safe on your one. You don't. You ain't got heart. It's your head. You hear what I say? Did you hear? You never fall for yourself. Blame everyone for your stress. You're weak. It's not my fault. You're an L. Nobody asked you to pray. Everybody. That's how you start fooling yourself. You got caught in the mix. I was comfy on my own. You fell in love with the image. I gave my heart to a trap phone. One time I trusted the bitch. What she do? She took advantage of shit. Last week, Primavera Sound's Benidorm Winter Boutique Festival Weekender was confirmed with a varied lineup mixing local, upcoming talent with some legendary names. Shacking up at the Robin Hood Magic Camp, audiences will be able to see the likes of Kings of Convenience, Mogwai, The Thurston Moore Band, Los Planetas, Maria Arnali, Marcel Bajez, La Zoe, Daniel Harl, and of the newer acts, we're very excited to see Pasaliu, who we're listening to in the background. Ben, Mar, what did you guys, girls, think about the lineup? Before we get into that, can I just ask when you were going to tell me? About what? About your little uh, t-shirt advert, your little duo. Oh! Well, are you going to tell me about oh, that? Oh, well, just, we, just go, we got <laughs> roped in. <laughs> Apparently, we're the official models now at yeah, RPS for, for modelling <laughs> merchandise. I wonder how much you, they you sold. Too, you two, you two, you yeah, two, well, yeah. Well, you, Good, yeah, well, you, make, you make a nice two, thanks. Yeah. You took off, you took off, uh, yeah. uh, uh, and yeah. all of a sudden, uh, it, it, yeah, we got roped in. Ro- Rob, did they sell many t-shirts of Maria Nocturna thanks to this wonderful merchandising yeah, advertising campaign? Yeah, thanks to us Yeah. <laughs> He's nodding his head. Exactly. He's nodding his head. We should get a commission. <laughs> Damn it. Always sign these things. You can't talk about it. A toro pasado, as they say in Spain. Uh, at the past bull. <laughs> when the bull has passed. So, anyway, weekender. Um, what do you think of the lineup? I think it's really good. Like, uh, basically. It was so such a long time before the went in between them. They announced the weekend mm. and like they announced the lineup, and there was all kind of problems. I think with actually, you know, if people were going to be able to stand up, um, and uh, then one day it just dropped, and I was really impressed. Like I, because it's really. I think kind of what people forget is like it's almost the sort of replacement Primera Club, isn't it? So yes. it's like new things. It's like. Um, generally like big new things that would be at Primavera Club mixed with a few kind of classic Primavera things mm-hmm. and I think that's very much what they've got like, they've got Mogwai which is classic classic Primavera yeah. I'm not I, I don't particularly like Mogwai to be honest what? with you what? no I don't like them you traitor they're from your land Scotland Glasgow no you're not from Glasgow no I'm not but like you know they're, 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 they're Scottish if you want someone from where I'm from the Proclaimers are your band yeah oh god I've seen the Proclaimers they're amazing but you love shoegaze I thought Mogwai is kind of the natural evolution for people who grew up loving My Bloody Valentine you know then came Mogwai yeah, doesn't do it for me oh. doesn't do it for me but like what I say is they're a classic Primavera band loads of people are going to go and see them and you know that's great um, and I'm really excited about Pa Salio, who's playing the festival uh, uh, yeah. next year um, and I was already looking forward to seeing mm-hmm. him then um, but I, I think it's going to be even better because you know it's like small venues isn't it he's like one of the best sort of I think he's possibly my favourite kind of new-ish British rapper at the moment because he's got this like really strange sound which kind of combines sort of like grime afrobeats drill all all kind of different kind of things and it's kind of it's weirdly like incredibly dark and incredibly light at the same time he's got a song called my family which i absolutely love um and he's just released this um there's this new ep uh african rebel 
um, which uh, a collection of tracks focusing on African history and culture, pulling West African affiliates, Abongiga, Te Iwa, and Zlatan. And I think it's an incredibly good EP, which just kind of changes uh, changes up again what he does. And I think he's going to be absolutely fantastic. So yeah. I'm really, really looking forward to that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm uh, Mar. Is there anything on the lineup that you thought? Oh. Uh, um, fun. Obviously, I'm uh, I cannot wait to see La Zoe um, and Sotoasa, which have been super obsessed during the summer. So uh, that's amazing for me. And obviously, my gig, <laughs> my <laughs> the reason this has been the best year because of his album Daniel Harl will yes. be there. So obviously, yes. I'm super excited for that. But as you said, like I don't know half of the the lineup. So, but that's exciting in a sense that. I will discover at least one group that I suddenly love that I didn't know about and that I hadn't heard before. So that's also cool to go to a festival and and just pop into a, a concert that you have no clue who they are and mm. then discover something super cool. Plus, it's going to be the first time where, because now, uh, mm -hmm. the, at least here in Catalonia, which, you know, but this is going to happen in Benidorm, it's not the Catalan government, but Catalonia has said that they are starting this weekend, I think, uh, Clubs reopened last weekend, but now uh, everything in general, uh, life can go back to normal with without the chairs and the separation in in concerts. I, I'm 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 not exactly very literate on on the new rules, but uh, the only thing apparently that sticks in my mind is the only thing that we have to keep using is masks, obviously, to reduce the risk of um, spreading the contagion of of COVID. But uh, now you can actually go to concerts and stand up and rub shoulders. Basically, that's what I'm I'm getting. Uh, so that. That's going to be another exciting thing about the weekender. We were all kind of expecting we were going to be sat down in chairs. And uh, and he's like, no, 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 no. We can be like we were two years ago. I um, mean, Danielle Hall sat down in chairs. That was just trying to knock your chair over. I saw that happen. Uh, he was he, he DJed at Busterraza, like unexpectedly at Pao Christoffel's birthday, uh, who's from the booking team and he's good mates with Danny. And uh, it was weird seeing him play this incredible sort of sped up gabber and, and you know, his hyper pop, shall we say. And everyone trying, sort of sat down and standing up and all of a sudden security guards, no, 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 please sit down. And it's like, okay, but yeah, this music is begging me to jump up and down and go crazy. And we're looking forward to that. I'm very curious about how, um, it's, it's interesting how there's this incredible bridge between PC artists, which are mainly all kind of in London, and people in Barcelona, like La Zoe. She's, mm -hmm. She made a duet with a PC music yeah, artist yeah, yeah, um, yeah. whose name escapes remember. me right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there, it's, and, and obviously, Daniel Harl, I've said this a couple of times, he's he knows about uh, Valencian bacalao and Catalan machina. Rob schooled me on this. You know, there, there's bacalao, which is the kind of sped up um, techno music from early 90s, uh, late 80s, early 90s that was happening in Valencia. But in Barcelona, it was machina. Uh, and I, did, I never made that distinction. And I remember at the time, it's like everything was the same, Máquina, Bacalao. But it's like Máquina was what was being done in Barcelona. It sounds practically the same as what was being done in the Bacalao route anyway. Um, but yeah, so he knows his history and he's formed this alliance with one of the DJs from the Máquina sound, uh, DJ Pastis, who sadly isn't booked to play Weekender. But I do think that they might be playing together in a club in Barcelona very soon. It still has to be announced. Um And anyway, continuing with the lineup, yeah. Uh, I'm really excited about seeing Mary Davidson. Do you remember when, yes. like, when we were doing years sprung. ago, we were doing Sprung? Or I just kept on going on about Mary, Mary Davidson, Davidson all the flipping time. Yeah, to the extent that it came sort of something of a cliche. And I, but I've <laughs> never ever seen her live. Like, I, I went to go and interview her, and she says, like, "Are you coming on later?" And it was like the time when children were too young. I said, like, "I can't. Mm. I just can't. I, I cannot be up till till three in the morning." <laughs> um, so yeah, there've been many opportunities, and her new ish album, um, Renegade. Breakdown yeah. with Louis New. It's like so strange. It's like some yeah. of it's like banging techno pop and some of it's like weird chanson. Yeah. And it's going to be brilliant. I'm really looking forward to that. Well, I like that, you know, it's interesting that she she kind of, she, she, she was one of the most sought after DJs on the sort of international DJ circuit like Peggy Goo, like Nina Kravis. You know, she had her own sort of sound and she was getting very big with it. And then all of a sudden she decided to pack it in right before, six months before the, the, the pandemic. She's like, look, I'm done with this touring stuff the, with the DJing. I'm going to, I want to do songs. 
I want to write real songs and make an album. And she did. And and it's very interesting. It's all over the place. It's it's, it's got, it's got a, something for everyone. So that's going to be very interesting to watch live. Um, I saw I picked up on a band called Wind Atlas who are from Barcelona, and uh, they are they make the kind of music that's that could be described as post-industrial ambient, whose earlier work drew a lot of inspiration from for AD acts like Dead Can Dance, uh, Coil, Cocteau Twins, or This Mortal Coil. Um, that's that, that's that's an interesting proposition. It sounds uh, quite unique. Um, Lagarde. Lagarde, who, which is a, a familiar face, it's a familiar yeah. face, a familiar name. Uh, she is a very, very young artist who is debuting her music. Uh, it's only just been out last this weekend. It got uploaded to Spotify. It's uh, the intimate kind of folk pop that fans of Way's Blood or Angel Olsen will appreciate. And then the one that. I don't get, and maybe Mari, you can help me. Is Fresquito y Mango? I don't get these either. I, was I don't just get earlier. I Come on, Mari. I had to look them up to see who they were. I I hadn't. Johan, heard do of we them. need a new young person correspondent? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get this. this. I thought this was your generation. It's obviously kids who've grown up <laughs> listening too. Because it sounds kind of punky, you know, and it's got that kind of very simple, straightforward, just put some drum beat and let's play the guitar really fast. But they sing in Spanish in a way that reminds me of the kind of pop bands that you would see on the channel Telecinco, like soundtracking mm. a series like uh, like a comedy, a sitcom, like Los Hombres de Paco or Siete Vidas mm -hmm. or Los Serrano. You know, they sing in that kind of... Like Blink, like the when Spanish bands try to sound like the Spanish version of Blink One Eight Two or yeah, like or Simple Plan or Pig Noise, exactly. <laughs> it sounds like Pig Noise. My God, that and doesn't sound tempting. It's <laughs> not, they're, they're not the best references, and and I yeah, it sounds so bad. I almost like it. Like you made it sound so so not appealing that I think it is. The appeal is on not being appealing. I don't know. Now I'm curious. I will listen to them and be a young person again I'm sorry well sorry I saw that they've recorded a gallery session which is this uh, oh, series yeah. of video performances oh, okay. yeah yeah I, I think I've seen it then yeah yeah so once I saw it there I thought okay I see why Primavera's booking team have included them because you know they they are ex extremely young I don't think they they're in their 20s even I think they're still teenagers and you know it's it's important to sort of keep an eye out on what the young kids are listening to or the, even the kids who will someday buy concert tickets will appreciate I don't know well that's what I kind of mean about it like being the replacement for Primavera Club it's like bands that maybe aren't mm -hmm. you're seeing kind of seeing if they're ready to play the festival you know mm. and you kind of like okay let's see you play live on the stage before like a thousand people and, and, and see how it goes um, and I think that, that, that makes it like the perfect place if you see what I mean yeah, you know yeah. if they absolutely destroy it and everyone loves it then then you know maybe we'll see them at the festival in the future one who definitely will be playing a lot of festivals in the future just from the handful of singles that are available online is Ethiopian Egyptian London girl Alewiya <laughs> Time to talk about comedy specials. I watched Dave Chappelle's last Netflix special over the weekend, and while I laughed many times, as one would expect from one of the greatest stand-up comedians of our time, I never expected him to stoop so low. Have any of you had the chance to watch this yet? Do you know what I've realised recently? I don't like watching stand-up on TV or Netflix or anything. I really? just don't, don't find it very funny. Yeah, it can be awkward if if they don't if the jokes don't hit. Looking like stand up alone, like on TV or whatever, it's it's a risk. Like if you don't like it, it's gonna make you feel icky inside. But, and but even like people I like, I just like I don't find like it doesn't have the it doesn't translate for me. Um, and I love going to see stand up live. I think it's absolutely brilliant. There's no um, absolutely no slight on what comedians do because that is incredible what mm -hmm. what they can do in a room. Yeah. But there's it, for me, it just doesn't translate. And I've seen like the very best. Like I've seen some of the very best comedians like doing their, their stand-up thing live. Like, I've seen a few Dave Dave Chappelle ones, mm. and it's just like it doesn't doesn't translate. I find myself sitting there thinking, 
well, that's kind of kind of funny, you know. I guess because he made the, you know, that that kind of thing. But like things that kind of come across when you're in the room, you have that. I, I think like there's that tension when yes. you're in the room. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh my yeah. god, what's he going to say? Is he yeah. going to speak to me? I don't want him to speak to me. But well, <laughs> you know, and that that kind of tension is quite funny, and it can, like laughs kind of come out that way. But yeah, it just doesn't. doesn't well, work. sorry, that's a bit of a no, but, cold but, water. But <laughs> there are comedians which but they just don't work on TV because it, it, they they. It's all about the experience in the room. But people like Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, um, Ricky Gervais, I don't know, uh, all of these big, big, big names. I think they're so big because they've been able to connect through the little screen, even on YouTube and stuff. Um, in this case, the, uh, you know, Dave Chappelle famously sign, uh, signed a six uh, special deal with Netflix for millions. And um, this one is called Closer. And it attempts to resolve some of the conundrums raised by all of his previous specials up to date made for Netflix. And, you know, he is a master of going places where many comedians try and fail miserably. He's an agent provocateur. And in an age where political correctness is diluting a lot of comedy, he's become a necessary beacon of social commentaries that are sometimes hard to swallow without syrup. Um, but it, at this stage in his career where he's very successfully mixed the entertainer with the spokesperson, he seems to to feel strongly as, a, as, as being an advocate uh, for African-American issues, right? That's always been his thing, you know, the, the, the black and white thing, the racial diversity, uh, the, the racial thing as a, as, a, as a comedy angle, and very fair and appropriate. But he, he picks on the LGBTQ community a lot in this show. And it's like, look, usually it was always a varied menu. You know, he'd, he'd pick on everyone, you know, and it's like, look, let's just laugh at each other. But here it really does feel like he's got a bit of an agenda. And it's like, really? And and he makes a thing about that, that uh, you know, people say I'm punching down, I'm punching down. It's like, yes, you are punching down. And he's like, yeah, but they, they're punching down on, on African-American people. He makes, it can be funny when you sort of, extrapolate situations and compare like for instance he tries to defend the baby not defend the baby but he kind of makes a very strong point about it's like look the baby did something far worse which i'm not going to spoil he did something very far worse that you know you'd go to jail for like it's a proper crime uh life or death crime and uh, no one it didn't really affect his career in a negative way you know rappers have this thing where if they've shot and had been in prison or sold drugs that's okay it's part of being a rapper but if you say something very offensive towards the lgbt community he's getting far more dragged for that than that no so he he, he it's a very sort of okay you can get a lot of juice out of that as a comedian but then it's the way he reiterates. He's like, yeah, because because I'm transphobic, because I'm transphobic. He's like, okay, he's being sarcastic. He's being sarcastic. But after the seventh time of saying yeah. I'm transphobic, it's like, are you actually transphobic? Are you like, re you get the feeling that he is, he, obviously, he's, he tells this story about a friend of his who was, trans, who was a transgender person. And um, he tells a very moving story about that person. And it's like, okay, so is this your way of saying... I'm not. I'm not homophobic. I actually have a lot of gay friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, it's one of those situations. But it, it's all very. I don't know. I and the quality of the of the jokes all throughout that he was directing towards the LGBT community weren't so funny that you will forgive him because it's like you know what you made me laugh and we're harmlessly mainly because it's like you are kind of saying things that a lot of people who who a lot of haters a lot of negative people are going to use your words your jokes and your punchlines when they're um, spreading hate uh, on the internet and stuff and uh, i don't know it's like dave you know don't forget you have a power and you're kind of misusing it. I don't know. I, I had that feeling. I, I cringed. Look, Eric Deggans wrote for NPR. There are plenty of non-white gay people who face oppression for both their sexual orientation and their race. And of course, opposing these public statements of homophobia isn't just about making gay people feel better. It's about keeping the anger and prejudice behind those words from becoming widely acceptable or turning into action. And that's, you know, he couldn't have, I couldn't say it better. Uh, so I don't know. I just thought he could have worked a little bit better at being funnier and not so. I, from what I, I didn't say, but it kind of came across as mean, didn't it? Mean. Like really like. Mean. Yeah. And mean is like the opposite of comedy. And when I you're think. such yeah. a millionaire and, uh, and, and it's like, okay, so now your core fan base is people over 40, like myself, and, <laughs> and young incels. Uh, <laughs> that, that's the only feeling I got. It's like you're, you're totally disregarding. I don't know. It's fast. Uh, I, 
just listening to you explain it, it it has made me like crumble inside. Like I I would not stand a second of this. Like I would have to turn the TV off because it just uh, I can. I have an issue with sometimes I cannot see like men in comedy like I'm like no you're not gonna be funny because you're a man <laughs> and uh, that's an issue I know it's it doesn't work like that there's plenty of, of of funny comedians that are men but I I already have this boundary towards like I don't know is it gonna be like Uh, I have maybe it's um, PTSD from El Club de la Comedia in Antena Tres <laughs> and stuff like that, which all the men were horrible in. Yeah. But um, then knowing there's actually like horrible stuff like this out there, it, it just makes me think I'm I'm correct when I know I'm not. There's like um, Bob Burnham and, and John Mulaney yeah. and other comedians that are funny, but. Yeah. There's also David Chappelle or Dave Chappelle. You see, that's why I, I respect John Mulaney so much because he makes comedy out of thin air. Mm -hmm. Like he, he will make things funny about how he says something or you know, he'll spend 15 minutes saying, why do people say, I don't know. Like he doesn't sort of use issues to, to build, construct his comedy. But I, that's what I love about Chappelle. He, he gets the issues that everyone's talking about and usually he is super funny. But this time it's like, is, aren't you a bit too rich and successful to have this kind of grudge all of a sudden because people are making a big deal out of things? I don't know. But anyway, I also, I can forgive any artist for releasing a bad album or a bad stand-up. You know, it's like, he, maybe he's been locked down so long and not in touch with other people mm. on, on in regular situations. It's like, you know, when rich people become so rich, they don't really leave the gated community and they don't they don't But interact with the world the same I'm way. I'm wondering, he must have a, like a huge team and, and they must advise him like, oh, yes, this is going to work. This is not going to work. And I think maybe they've seen the flaws, like how it can be taken because it's there. It's like quite literally what he wrote. Hmm. And, and maybe that was the point, like we're um, talking towards an audience that is not like the mainstream um that that knows like this is this sounds homophobic maybe they are talking towards an audience that is like oh everybody is is so offended by everything the crystal generation and mm. stuff like that and maybe they're talking to them like yeah let's let's be homophobic on netflix <laughs> like <laughs> i don't know it's like yeah exactly it's like really can't you just pick on the 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 the, the, the villains of all time you know go get hit the I, they make he makes a thing about how Hollywood celebrities kind of jump on bandwagons, you know, and, and, and it's like, okay, well, pick on the celebrities, pick on the rich mm, Karens or whatever, and, or make mm. a thing about that. That's a lot of fun and you can, that's punching up, you know, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, but someone who was surprisingly very amusing and actually had a little bit of help Whoa, from Dave Chappelle. Views on differ, views <laughs> differ. Oh okay. my God. <laughs> It was surprising, you know, was Kim Kardashian hosting SNL. She was so funny. And you know why she was so funny? Because she made fun of herself and her family. She was not punching down or whatever. No. She was punching, punching at, her at herself. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's comedy with like self-deprecating comedy. Um, yes, we love her for that because we're not used to um, seeing the Kardashians talk badly about themselves. So people that only follow her on, on Instagram or on social media, it seems like this perfect almost robot human that's super wealthy and, and just is there and, and people are copying everything she does. But no, she's also funny because Kim is, is everything. She's intelligent, she's funny, she's the businesswoman of the century. Mm. And everyone was like, oh my God, Kim Kardashian, she, she has no talent, blah, 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 very 2010 discourse. And, <laughs> and they were gonna like boycott apparently SNL for having her host. But actually, um, the, the rankings of, of the... Ratings? Uh, yeah, the ratings of, of the episode went up compared to, to the Owen opening. Owen Wilson, yeah, who exactly. opened the season and it was the lowest ratings for an opening, uh, for a season opening in years, which I feel so sorry for Owen Wilson. You know how he... It must have been very harsh to receive the news. Because like. maybe it's not entirely his fault, obviously, because there's screenwriters, there's lots of sketches, there's lots of, you know, it's like, it's, it, you can't blame the host. But you know how he's had issues in the past? He tried to commit suicide once oh, at one I point, Owen Wilson. 
And, you know, and I love Owen Wilson. I love him for every Wes Anderson movie. He's always been there since the start. And it's like, man, I know how every actor always feels that it's their fault when a film does bad or a thing doesn't have ratings. And I can imagine he must be in a bit of a not nice place. Uh, well, anyway, sorry. No, but let's yeah. talk about Kim. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about. No, Kim not, we'll talk about some white guy who's you know who's clearly got no problems. And in FEMA, he's not paying alimony. He's not recognized one of his children. Uh, so yeah, oh, is that God. allegedly or? Uh, yeah, I think I don't know, it's one of those sort of uh, the, the TMZ kind of. Things. Yeah, sorry, I think, sorry. I think we're going to drop an allegedly. On, on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't allegedly, not not paying child support or not recognized. Anyway. <laughs> Well, Sorry, someone that Kim. doesn't do any of that and takes care of their children, All children. is Kim Kardashian. And, and yes, she was so funny and the whole skit on or like the monologue and, and, and the sketches were about her family. Like, imagine being so iconic that the whole show is kind of about you, like the... Chris was there and and Chloe was the, also there, but um, the actors um, in some sketch played Kendall and Kylie, yeah. and and the whole kind of idea of the show was well, others she wasn't playing herself, but a few of them she was playing herself, and and that just comes to show how iconic she is. Like that, n- normally SNL is like sketches, and and the actor just plays with the other people that work there, but it's about her, and I I don't know this to me was just proving how iconic she is. She is the icon of the century and, and it also proves um, what some people didn't understand about her Met Gala outfit being like American fashion because she owns the US. She is the US and, yeah. and she, I, I don't know, I, and I also thought she is very Kim K of her, of her to have like embedded advertisement in the sketches which is not a normal thing in 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 snl i I don't think well maybe the the actors go there to promote a movie or something and they say it in the beginning but not within the sketches there are like branding and stuff and and there was one about schemes and and Paw Patrol because she has um, she plays a voice of one of the dogs in the really? movie. Really? Yeah. In the movie, she she voices. Yeah, she voices one of the dogs in the movie. So she's been promoting Paw Patrol <gasps> for like a thousand years now. And also, um, they do a lot of like Hulu advertisement, which is like kind of a Netflix that's yeah. only on the US. Yeah. And and it, I just know she was in the in the room with the contract, and she was like, "We're gonna make ads in there. I I don't care what you care what you say. I'm Kim Kardashian, yeah. and I'm also a lawyer." Yeah. We're gonna do that, and you're gonna sign here, here. Well, it's here. like you need more, more than I. You need me more than I need you. Well, she does. What does she know? say at the beginning in the opening monologue? That it's like, oh, this is a chill night. Yeah, this is only ten million people. I have three three hundred million people following me every day, so this is like an intimate <laughs> night. And it's like, yeah, she she's actually right. It's funny, but it's actually cool. can, yeah. I, can I ask one thing though? I read the Guardian's review of this, mm-hmm. um, and they said she just didn't carry the jokes at all she was not a good performer and haters uh, i i, I disagree with so the guardian she she does have comedic temp tempo not i mean considering she's not a comedian a trained comedian a seasoned comedian an actor who knows about you know mm. the, the tempo comedic tempo is one of the hardest things to fathom and when you're a performer it. and she in some things maybe she stalls a little bit but, but I've seen worse by real actors and real yeah. comedi- comedians you've seen Elon, Elon Musk on, on oh SNL I still do, I don't know if Ew. they've taken it down or anything but I haven't been able to see it on Movistar <laughs> what, the, the, the Elon Musk episode but um, but she she does very well I mean that's the th- surprising thing about Saturday Night Live I've seen real actors on there who have bombed and yeah. Kim does a very good job yeah and the part in, in which she may be like a, you can tell she's Kim yeah. it's it's funny still because you can tell it's Kim doing <laughs> SNL and when that's the whole point there's a sketch where Chris Red perfor- uh, pr- uh, imitates Kanye at the <laughs> when they're in the courtroom <laughs> and her face looking at Chris Red Im- it's her real it's a real expression like you can see her kind of like holding a smirk like mm-hmm. trying not to laugh and the guy's like it, it, yeah, it's yeah, one yeah. of those sort of meta moments and he's like oh my god she's <laughs> laughing at the, and <laughs> Funny enough, she didn't throw that much shade on Kanye. Like, I thought the punchline of, you know, because she, all of a sudden she's like, in her opening monologue, well, monologue she's well, like, I married one of the greatest rappers of all time, who's the f- the most, the richest billionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black but billionaire. Th- that's, that's the 
it, she threw a lot of shade. And then she said all these good things like he's the richest, he gave me wonderful children, he's the best rapper. So, you know, <laughs> if I divorce him, it all comes down to his personality. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a whole lot of shade. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's quite shade. It was a punchline, <laughs> but see, I ex because she builds it up so much, it, it kind of sort of, I don't know, I expected like a, even more? A, something, a little bit more, like something like, you know, Kanye but, never did the dishes. But isn't that, that kind of like strikes me as a very good way to do it because I don't know Kanye West, obviously, but I reckon he, if he was watching, he'd probably like, yeah, okay. He'd probably take it from that, you know, the good bits, you know, mm. the, the, the billionaire bits yeah. and all that kind of bits. And he'd be like, nah, personality. Personality. Right. <laughs> you know, which is, which is quite nice, you know. Yeah. We, we, get to, we get to joke, she well, gets a punchline. And I hope every single member of, of her family... Um, T took it that way because she she threw shade to everyone and Kanye also received the um, shade from when she said um, and I'm gonna run for president and she was like oh no I'm no, joking I'm I'm, I, I don't need a third failed um, politician in my in Who's my family. Who's the second though? Caitlyn ran for California state. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Caitlyn Jenner <laughs> ran for. It was for. very bad. It was very bad and very Republican and very not good. At Wait, all. Caitlyn's the 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 mother the the well yeah, yeah the, 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 uh, ex Bruce. Yes. Okay, I'm thinking who was Caitlyn? Oh that really? <laughs> Caitlyn ran for. I, yeah. I miss out on... I need to read TMZ more often. <laughs> well, you don't have to read TMZ more often because Listen I'm coming... Listen Here we yeah, go. I'm nice. going with a few more news of what has been going on on pop culture lately. Damn it, we didn't have the, the theme song. All right, well, well two grown men <laughs> losing <laughs> touch like everyone else. else. We're, We're in, in a rut. rut. But alas, alas, we have, we have a, a guiding star, star with her finger on the, the pulse. pulse. Mar, live and oh, direct. Live. <laughs> <laughs> you should be on Primavera Weekender. <laughs> well, we're going to end up sharing. Uh, we're we're going to share a cabin, I reckon, and we'll wake you up every day singing that until you're begging us just to go away. Well, yeah, um, uh, pop culture news. So, Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly, which have been all over, even in an SNL skit with Kim Kardashian, yeah. also, um, have are on a mission. To prove you can be super cringe and still be hot. Because everything they do is so cringy. And the latest latest thing they, they've been on is an interview with JQ. And they detail their first interaction, their fir first kiss, and other stuff about their relationship. Mm. And it makes you cringe so what's, much. What's it makes you want to not know how to read ever again. It's like, ah, isn't, <laughs> this, isn't this kind of sweet, maybe? No, no. Kiss? Do you no. want to know... Yes. Well, they they said like, oh yeah, um, because we're like in a dark fairy tale kind of relationship <laughs> because it's super intense, but there's also a demonic side and it's like, okay, you're like 40, both of you, let's not play the teenager angst still, oh. but okay. And they were like, yeah, our first interaction was, um, he came to me and he smelled like weed and I told him and he said, I am weed. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then he disappeared. <laughs> I am weed. <laughs> Imagine someone telling you that and you thinking it's kind of hot and then explaining it as if it's something good to explain. I would be like, let's never tell anyone that happened. Let, let's oh pretend that didn't happen. This my God, I've, I've had some cringy <laughs> stories. I think that is. But like... you wouldn't go to JQ and tell them and be like, yeah, I'm cool because I'm... I told someone I'm with and now I'm dating them. <laughs> and, oh and they God. were like, yeah, and our first kiss wasn't even a kiss. Just so you know how incredibly w rare and weird we are. We just like opened our mouth and like breathed into each other. Oh no! What? 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 <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> and then kind of separated, and and that's you know how electric everything is between us. And it's like um, they breathe into each other's mouths. Yeah. It's and, almost and like that's their first kiss, and they're super proud wow, about and it. and that's not technically a kiss, is <laughs> yeah, it? If you breathe, oh, it's like a blowback. Remember yeah. blowbacks when you inhale and then blow the smoke into the other person's mouth, open mouth. You know, yeah, you never blow yeah, back. It's 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 something. And then there's a part 
in which machine gun Kelly wants to say he has PTSD and post-traumatic st stress disorder, and he says he has postpartum depression. No. <laughs> and then Ma Megan Fox is like, no, I think you mean PTSD. And he's like, oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> I have one of those initials, initial condi condi conditions. Yeah. Oh God. It's almost like they're trying to put into words the, the, you know, the mood that a photographer asks for when they're taking pictures of a very sexy perfume they want to sell. It's like, yeah, I want passion yeah. and stuff. Put it into words. Oh yeah, we blow into yeah. each other's mouths. And In the back room of a studio, Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox are giving each other tattoos. The leopards matching tattoos will read the darkest fairy tale. A phrase Fox says alludes back to one of the first text messages we ever sent each other. Oh dear me. It's so cringe. I recommend everyone that loves like this kind of cringy stuff to read it because it's a whole ride and it, you will not be disappointed in the cringe department at least. Oh my god. And other news. Um, is there any other news? <laughs> that's, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, no, it's not going to top that, but it's still on the cringe kind of department, sort of. Little Mix, you know, the yeah. band yes, yeah. from the UK, kind of like their direction, One Direction. Um, the female One Girls, Direction, yeah. yeah. Um, are in feud with ex-former bandmate Jesse Nelson. Mm -hmm. The white British singer debuted her first... Um, uh, single as a solo artist featuring Trinidadian artist Nicki Minaj mm. and fans have noticed Jessie's skin tone <gasps> appeared darker than Nicki's. No, she did a Paris Hilton at the Fenty show where she was almost <laughs> yeah. brown and it's like, oh, yeah, oh, she, she, you look at her and you, you wouldn't know she's white. There's no way that woman is a British white woman. But and that, that's why she's been accused um, of blackfishing because you have to see the the music video of of that song it's basically i don't know if it's appreciation or appropriation of, of but it's basically she her impersonating a black woman and and she she has been she has received backlash for la for that it's not the first time but it's so apparent that her new brand as a solo artist is based on black fishing that everyone is like come on um 2021 we have to be more sensible about that stuff. And <laughs> See, I, I read an interview with her about this. Um, and um, Yeah. And it, it, it's kind of difficult. It's difficult. Because she, like, what, what she said, and sort of, you know, to, to, to give her a sort of side, she says that basically she's a massive fan of black music mm -hmm. and she's very influenced by black music. So, like, that... and But she's not trying to be anything other other than... She is. It's not like yeah. she's trying to be Rachel Dolezal. Remember that that that, that woman, Rachel Dolezal, the the woman who who thought she was black, but she was clearly Caucasian. But she, <laughs> don't you remember on oh, the internet? Oh, like a, a university professor or yeah, something. Yeah, like that. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Never forget. Yeah, I, it kind of looks like she is trying to be that <laughs> because there's a difference in being like obviously all of us are well pop culture it, it, a lot of it it's part from black culture and mm -hmm. and black artists and, and all of that, but. I don't know, taking the physical appearance of a black woman and being able to take the good stuff and, and just be like, oh, now it's trendy to have um, this, uh, I can make my skin darker, I, I can make my lips bigger, I can make, every I don't know, I'm, I, don't, I don't think, she, I think she's missing a part in which she has to work on and to not come across as black fishing as much as she is mm -hmm. and some of um, uh, um, the girls on Little Mix haven't followed her because of <gasps> all the things that are going on and they have liked a few of the um, posts on Instagram that are going on criticizing the, uh, her new appearance as, as a kind of a black woman suddenly and, and then and Jesse went on live on Instagram with Nikki, and Nikki dragged all her former bandmates, <laughs> especially um, what's her name, Leanne, I think, um, who is black, and and she just sat there and and said nothing and just agreed with Nikki and laughed. And it's kind of like you've been best friends for ten years and and bandmates and everything. I I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't like just let. People like say that stuff. Well, no, it's Nicki Minaj, so you're not gonna <laughs> reply back to her and be like, "Hey, that's my friend," because she's gonna make you not be in the in the industry anymore. But 
I don't know. It's, She's going to make your testicles swell to yeah. incredible proportions. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, Nikki lately has been doing stuff that I don't agree on. And I don't like how Jessie Nelson is portraying herself as a solo artist. I'm more on the little mix hmm. mm, part side. I don't know about it. And to cap up this wonderful yeah. recap of what's been happening, uh, everyone's <laughs> favorite child actor, <laughs> child actor, child star, <laughs> child no longer a child, is Timothee. Yeah, Timothee now is Willy Wonka. That's I the latest thing we know about him. He suddenly posted a, a picture of him as Willy Wonka, and we had to be okay with it and say, okay, now you're a Willy Wonka. I, <laughs> go, I'm starting go to have reservations about Hollywood remaking everything with Timothee Chalamet. I, and I love him. I love mm. him. I, I, he's, he's He's, and he's incredible to look at how he acts he's always perfect on screen I enjoyed Dune I enjoyed Little Women but Willy Wonka is it, was it necessary I mean I still, I'm yeah, still quite was a pretty, when was the last remake yeah, yeah, the one not that long ago yeah. well it might be it might have been 15 years now because time seems to yeah, go so but fast still but still 15 is not that much to make a remake but I'm not going to say no to anything Timothy Chalamet related because I'm one of the white girls that's been brainwashed by the Timothy <laughs> Chalamet charm so Okay, if you want to be Willy Wonka, yeah, let's go. Chocolate. But plus, isn't he a bit too young? Willy, obviously, I still have my reference of Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka, then then Johnny, Johnny Depp. Yeah. And in the book, I always understood that Willy Wonka was this man who's about to retire and mm -hmm. uh, hand over the... It's a prequel. Uh, oh, it's an origin sense. story. Okay, uh, then yes. Then I, just, yes. Sorry, I just found that out. Okay, I'm a fan of origin story as a Hollywood kind of thing. Like, mm. I would love... I was thinking, what's next for Tim Timothy Chalamet? I would like to see a James Bond um, origin story on screen. Because there, there are a series of books, apparently. Hmm? He would be good, like, as a James Bond... Um, like you know when he's in school being yeah. bullied and how he becomes like an incredible you know savvy detective or inspect um, spy you know and, and uh, I saw someone saying that um, Gillian Anderson would be a great new James Bond yeah. and Timothy Chalamet would be a great new James Bond girl if we have a, <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> because he's kind of like the sexy Hollywood star we're all androgynous like, yeah so if Gillian is James Bond J um, Timmy can be James yeah Wiman. well d d yeah oh, female, female yeah. James Bond you know when they're when he's at was it Harrow or Eaton I don't know Eaton there, there's a there's a series of uh, young adult spy novels called Young Bond yeah. which trace him when he was at Eaton in the 1930s exactly and it look, and it makes sense that they w that that would be the next step for or maybe not the next James Bond or they can make a TV show out of it I would like to see a prequel of Young James Bond and uh, uh, when James an old James Bond like I'm talking walking mm. stick old like <laughs> Why James Bond is... What would be the appeal to that? Like, well, seeing him, like, lose touch with reality. Lose so touch with reality and, like, be totally, like, uh, ex exhausted and <laughs> oxidated, but maybe yeah. he has a child who is in, pr in trouble and has also stepped well, into his shoes in MI6 and then he needs to save her because he's the only one. But he's, like, you know, walking stick James Bond. He's alcoholic. You know, someone <laughs> like... What's the guy who plays in Succession? Uh, Logan... Lo Logan Roy... No, Brian Logan... Cox. Brian Cox, for instance, you know, now Brian Cox would make an incredible, like, aged James Bond. But I'm getting very much like Indiana Jones and his dad vibes. Did you like that film? I love the one with Shoth Connery yeah, when I was okay. young. Because right. it would it, be like that. In it? hindsight, it isn't as good. It's a little bit childish. But the Last Crusade wasn't it? Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, yeah, with with Sean Connery. Yeah, that was it. Uh, in fact, there's a new Indiana Jones with Harrison Ford. That's going to be cool because it's old Indiana Jones, you know, like struggling to to do the stunts and everything but <laughs> it's cool to see the aged in situations and how they would really react you know like he can no longer jump off a building he's like no no I'm going to take the elevator and they'd probably be you know very irritable all the time <laughs> but I think it would be very funny after seeing this classy James Bond you know like walking into casinos all of a sudden it's this man who like hates the world who's a little bit racist <laughs> who's a little bit like racist <laughs> you know he's a little bit like oh, you know, <laughs> quipping and, but he still like has like he, he can still kill a man with his bare hands you know what I mean like and all of a sudden you could, I don't know I think it would be you're selling it very good Definitely. Yeah. Let's write there. this script and make our money, y'all. Let's buy that island. <laughs> I would rather see that than a Willy Wonka origin story. Yeah, but yeah. Did that. Roald Dahl ever write uh, Willy Wonka in his no, no. I don't. I don't think so. And like, I, I 
kind of one of the things I like about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is like you don't know no, where Willy yeah. Wonka comes from. You know, he's like yeah. this kind of magical figure. I don't really want to see him like learning to make chocolate. Mm. You know what I mean? It's a yeah. bit like I don't know. It's a bit like um, revealing too much. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. At the end of the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, <laughs> the the curtain. Anyway, let's listen to a little bit of uh, the artist who featured as musical guest on Kim Kardashian's episode of Saturday Night Live. This is Halsey. Halsey, whose fifth album released last uh, August was produced by Nine Inch Nails, and I think it's a very interesting cross intersection where mixing indust- the industrial textures of Nine Inch Nails with 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 pop. Really, it's working. Arca, who I consider mm, a, 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 a natural successor to the Trent Reznor mood, uh, Arca is, ma- is making is get going popier with. Her next um, uh, album, uh, she's got a track with Sia, and I played this back to back with the Halsey record, and it's like, yeah, 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 it's this. This is interesting. This industrial pop kind of thing that's happening. Anyway, um, decent album. Go listen to it. Let's now let's let's move over now to our album of the week, uh, Unique. This is Microdosing. I really want to go clubbing uh, to hear this. Ben, give us your professional take on a Unique's Heartbeats. All right, I absolutely love this record. Um, and basically, she she does a uh, type of music that is known as Jersey Club, um, mm-hmm. which is like one of I, one thing I really love is all these weird like local scenes you get in America, like different club scenes. How Baltimore Club is different from like Philadelphia Club is different from Jersey Club or whatever. And mm-hmm. Jersey Club is like. Uh, it's kind of quite fast and kind of uh, like often had like chopped up samples. You got like quite staccato, and they also use like a lot of like specific sounds, like sort of creaking bed bed springs, which which I really like. Creaking I'm, bed springs. Yes, yeah. If you, but is that the name of the preset, or is that actually no? It's like, literally like, like yeah. If you listen yeah, to yeah, in I think, the first track, there's a lot of that in this album. I I am very 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 far from an expert on on Jersey Club, um, and I've only been to New Jersey once, and I didn't go to a nightclub. I just went to the airport. <laughs> but um, I, I've listened to it a bit, and um, I really like it. But it, it's like it, it's very much club music, right? I mean, you can listen to it. You could obviously listen to it at home, but like you wouldn't necessarily put it on. And what Unique has done for me, anyway, in this kind of EP, she's really like opened it up. She's talking. She did this interview with the resident advisor, and she was talking about how basically she's allowed herself to be vulnerable in in her music while still making it sound like like club music, and that's what you mm. basically get in heartbeat. So what what she's got, I think, is like something that uses the basis of Jersey Club. Like uses the kind of signifies has that kind of bed bedspring sound, but just opens it up a lot, you know, to like full kind of pop songs um, and uh, shows off vulnerability, which is not you know something you get in a lot of like club songs, you yeah. know, like when you're just out of a club, it's generally quite straightforward, sort of uh, a bit superficial sometimes the lyrics because it's more about creating a rhythm or fitting a, a bit of a vocal texture in a, in a in a club track. But here, I know what you mean. And I think you can really hear that in Shame On Me. And the second track is, is called Unavailable. Um, and it's just like a totally massive kind of pop song, basically. Um, and it reminds me a little bit, and maybe this because I've been listening to other things, of, of, of Madonna. Like, you know how Madonna, when like one thing she really does really well is she takes like, club styles and kind of makes them uh, a lot bigger. And, you yeah. know, you can say, well, maybe she shouldn't be using those club styles. But, all right, Unique has like, been absolutely at the heart of like, Jersey Club for, for years. Um, but and she's just done something that, that kind of is of the genre and also transcends the genre just by doing it better than, than everyone else and with kind of more more emotional appeal. So I absolutely love it. Also, the fact that she has done a song called Microdosing <laughs> <laughs> without it being yeah. like 
just like shoved in, you know, yeah. and like, you know, because sometimes so like you kind of hear like someone's done a song called Microdose and it's like, oh God, it's just, you know, this is like you're, you're trying whatever you can to get like the local, the, the latest sort of trend trend in. And it so often doesn't work. And actually the phrase, stop microdosing my love, it's a brilliant phrase. It's just such a clever way of doing it. So I am absolutely 100% in favour of, of this album EP. I think it's brilliant. What, what do you two think? I enjoyed it very much. I, I'd struggle to DJ this because I'm always scared to DJ ab- above 124 BPMs because I can't. I, I, I'm always comfortable between 120, 124, uh, or or lower. But this, I, I, I'd love to hear this in a club. This, this is my, this is my, my take on it. Would you think it'd work in Barcelona? Like Barcelona's clubs are a yes. little bit. At Apollo, it would. Nah. <laughs> well, well Ma, what did you think of the album? I, I really enjoyed it because I don't know why I'm in this new phase in, in my music taste <laughs> in which I love house music, which is something I never really cared about. Mm. And I've and infected you by sitting yeah. in a room with you. I've, uh, <laughs> it took some time, but it has <laughs> gone on. Do you want to buy a book about Daft Punk? Because I have got one. <laughs> and Maybe I, w- I, I will become a Daft Punk expert too. Um, but yes, I, I've been really into it. And, and this is this is Jersey Club, but Jer- Jersey Club is like kind of house music style. Right? Spread up. Yeah, um, and and now I really enjoyed it, and now I know that there's such a thing as Jersey Club, because I didn't put a name to it. I just thought, oh yeah, that's techno house, whatever you call it. Hmm. She's also done a remarkable mix uh, for Resident Advisor, which uh, is Resident Advisor's 800th mix or, or something like that, and you, you can download and listen to it. And it's absolutely incredibly, incredibly, incredibly frantic, like, and it's got like all of like edits of like. Uh, pop songs. She basically takes everything and just turns it into her own thing. Like like she does a version of Black Eyed Peas, Boom mm. Boom Pow, yeah. uh, and makes it her own. Actually, it's a DJ Dream Dream Mix, but I think that 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 is her. Um, there's like Beyonce songs, Mary J Blige, and also a load a whole load of her things, Cardi B, and she just makes it her own. Oh. She yeah. totally dominates it. And as I say, I'm so far from an expert in Jersey Club, but this uh, I loved it as a dance record, as a pop record, mm-hmm. and mm. as a Jersey Club record. Why not? Mm-hmm. I had to, I have to admit. I struggled to pay as much attention as I wished to it because it, you know it's 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 music to get you dancing and stuff. And my mood this week has been more attuned to Bad Bad Not Good's latest album, which is it's just so lush. Uh, I can notice that they've really made a transition because whereas what everyone's saying, no, they they specialized in making the kind of jazz music that was great to sample for hip hop records, or they 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 instrumentalize hip-hop sampling kind of beats and play it with with a full band but now they've gone into full-on proper mm, cosmic jazz territory Mm, it's been compared to the kind of sounds that you would hear on a pharaoh saunders record or even miles davis records it really is something and they've got a feature from arthur verakai a brazilian composer who was going to play primavera initially but he's no longer playing it which is a shame um i'm very much in love with the bad bad not good album uh, it's it's top banana, and uh, before we finish, do we have time to talk about James Blake? I, I think I think we do. Should we just have a very little bit of unique shame on me? Listen to those bed springs. You trying to run game on me? Nah, nigga, that can't be. Shame on me, shame on me You made me feel less than she And I let you see Shame on me, shame on me You tryna run game She does sound unique. <laughs> um, someone who also sounds very unique and uh, all you have to do is listen to three seconds before you say, yep, that is a James Blake record. James Blake is back with his new album, um, Friends That Break Your Heart. And apparently there's been a little bit of a thin line thing going on, no? Because he credits his uh, girlfriend, Jamila Jamil, on, on I think, uh, 14 or 9 of the... 9 of the 12 tracks. 9 of the on, yeah. 12 tracks. And apparently she, she's had to post uh, some kind of thing on on her social media um answering haters 
Yeah, she said a lot of women, uh, a lot of mostly women insisting I couldn't possibly have actually worked on my boyfriend's music and that he must have just credited me to be nice. I was DJ for eight years and studied music for six years before that. You're part of the problem of why women don't uh, pursue producing. Is this because she's more perceived as an actress rather than a musician? I always thought that she Probably. she did both yeah. quite parallel. I didn't, I didn't know that she was a DJ um, and had studied music production. Um, and... Um, I, I, but I, I think it's a, she, she's kind of... I think James Blake fans are... I'm going to choose my words carefully. James Blake fans are quite interesting kind of people and you don't really want to cross them online. No, but, but apparently she says that she got more hate for... more backlash from women online, no? Is that Or am I reading wrong? I, That's what she said, yeah. I think there's a kind of general hate towards Jamila Jamil. So when there's uh, a chance... Yeah, yeah. When there's a chance to, to make her, like say something bad about her people just go with it so, that's, so, she's that's a, so sometimes she has done stupid stuff and you think oh come on Jamila but um, <laughs> I don't think that this I like if he says um, because it it's on the record that she's the producer or she helped him produce co-produce something then why doubt it like it's, it's quite interesting. I was reading about it. Um, she's credited on additional arrangement and, and structure on two tracks, which is interesting because you don't normally... I mean, structure isn't something people normally get, get credited with. But apparently one of the things that, that she did is um, she suggested that he should bring in certain people to, to take part on tracks. Like on track five, Frozen, she suggested uh, Suave um, should uh, come in and do a vocal. And she suggested on, on, on track eight that Monica Martin should sing on it. And actually... That's that's really important. That is the kind of thing, you know, you might not always get a credit for, but mm-hmm. you should. It's kind of like good A and Ring, yeah. and um, it kind of shows. It's one of those things that's probably un- under realised, isn't it? You know, because yeah. she she could easily have done that, and like uh, she said, apparently James Blake insisted she get credit, which, which is which yeah. is which is good of him to do. Um, but you can you can see it very much easily not getting credited but it's really important it's like the right person to come in and it's like was that and it, that is a creative decision yeah. it's not creative in terms of like actually writing a song but it's a creative decision or enabling things to happen like sometimes like for instance Rick Rubin has sometimes not even pushed a button but he gets the production credit because it's like you recorded at my studios and I just left it alone and the fact that I left the recording alone because I thought it was okay and maybe I just mm, Turn up the volume or play faster and that's it. And sometimes that's all the magic touch a band needs to um, get to the point where they're trying to get, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, understand, I I value that kind of thing, but I can understand. I've heard this so many times when someone who might be a little bit well-known but or maybe just famous for being famous or whatever, and maybe they're very good enablers and stuff, and it's like, yeah, but they don't really do anything. You know, people get really bitchy about this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, but what did they really do? You know, I don't, I can't imagine, I don't want to mention any names, you know, but um, I don't know, it's like, if, if, for instance, if Grimes' next record, not now, but if Grimes' next record, if she would have credited Elon Musk because he was, he actually did, you know, by spending time with her and stuff, you know, he managed to enable certain things that to happen. Would be a very People bad would hate that. Strategy. Exactly. <laughs> you know, everyone would be all over like, what? Well, Elon Musk, he's not a record producer. Why is he? Jamila said something about this. Um, uh, an additional hilarious side to this misogyny is that they only don't believe in my musical input when they love the songs. If they don't <laughs> like a song, then suddenly I can produce and it's all my fault. This is typical. I produce the whole thing alone. That's This that's is with, like with parents, you know, when it's like, oh, my child, my child. So yeah. I'm so proud of my child. Oh, your son did a, a naughty thing in school today. It's like, what do you mean? Now he's, not, now he's just my son? When as before it was like our, you know, your child? I don't know. That, that's a very funny thing that happens. But I think I think it's it's an interesting case because it is very easy to just catch it out. Oh, she, I'm sure she didn't have anything to do with it, and it is um, what she says about like that's why a lot of women don't pursue producing. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm sure she's absolutely right on this, um, and uh, I'm oddly warming to James Blake after being the the, the voice of anti James Blake on on this show for quite a long time. Not anti, you know what yeah. I mean. Um, I am I'm, I'm quite warm to it, and I quite like this album, which is about breaking up with friends, which is quite interesting. Yeah, the, yeah. I think one of the reasons people did, didn't really believe it was um, Jamila's producing some of the tracks is because the last one was all about Jamila, and maybe this one is like, oh, wait, I have to put Jamila somewhere because it's not about her, it's about friends, so I'm going to put her on the producing ah. credits, but that, it, it doesn't really, yeah, maybe it's a thought that can cross your mind, but it doesn't really make sense, like, 
she, yeah, I don't know. I believe she produced it. Oh, credit where credit is due. And that's time up for this week's review of the pop cultural landscape. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you stay tuned for Victor Trapero, who's going to come in with his heavy rotación. Uh, much love to y'all. Um, stay tuned. This is RPS. So I'm coming back, coming back, coming back, coming back Cause it hurts, cause it hurts like the end of the world And like betrayal, like betrayal of the soul I'd never thought of before So I'm coming back, coming back to between my legs Forget what I said, what I said, what I said, what I said There's a mile between my heart and my head So I take it all, take it all, take it all back You show down, show down, you bring me down Don't you have a clue about where my mind is right now You say you love me, is it real? But do you fantasize about the things you really wanna feel? Get what I said